Hoops Heaven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Redditch. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. We're already into round five of this NBL season. It seems like we waited a long time for the season to start now. All of a sudden, we're into round five. We're only a week away from the NBL Cup with every club being in Melbourne. And we've got plenty to get through on this week's show. We'll have the Demo Award, thanks to Boomerang. We'll have the Tap Touch Preview with Matty Knight. And, of course, we'll have the rest of the show with the legendary scoring machine. I'm Chris Pike, but the man you've all tuned in to hear from, Sean Redditch. How do we find you this week? Oh, it's been a been a busy week, but uh, looking forward to uh, dissecting all that's happening in the basketball world and, and the NBL in particular. Plenty going on. It's an exciting time in the NBL right now. As I said, a week away from the NBL Cup, so it's the last time a lot of these clubs are going to be playing playing home games. So they're looking to head into the into the hub in Melbourne with some momentum. We've seen Melbourne United continue their winning streak. The Hawks have now lost a couple of glove games. The Cairns Taipans finally broke, broke their losing streak. We've seen the first import sent home. Um, there's a lot going on right now. What's sort of catching your eye across the league right now, Sean? Well, you just I think that you know some teams are starting to get a little bit figured out, and they're not um, not as successful as they had at the early start of the year. And I, and you're starting to see a few more injuries, a lot of things. Um, so it's going to be interesting how the, the next few weeks kind of shape up, especially with the NBL Cup coming up. And, and also just how the teams really treat that. I think it'll be uh, it'll be intriguing to, to see what the teams do when you're playing that many games in such a short time span. Do they treat it like a regular season? Or are they kind of treating it that we need to – you know, make sure we get our team still fresh and, and intact um, before they get into uh, the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. So plenty of ground to cover here on Basketball Hustle this week. Of course, we're here thanks to thanks to Hoops Heaven as always. So www.hoopsheaven.com.au or head into their store if you're in Perth in Murray Street. And, and to me, it's the, it's the best basketball store in Australia, Sean. So if you need anything there, head to them. But of course, later in the show... We'll have the Damo Award, the league's best defensive player, presented by the all-time greatest defensive player in the league, Damien Martin. We'll have later on the sh- on the show, thanks to Boomerang. And then, as I said, we'll get all of the tips and preview, thanks to Tab Touch with Maddie Knight. But let's start here with you, Sean. We've had the first import sent packing already now, four weeks into the season. Donald Sloan's gone from the Adelaide 36ers. He didn't play their game on Saturday night. After that match, Club Hierarchy told the players the decision had been made. They've now since signed a replacement, Jeremy Kendall, a familiar face who's been based in Brisbane. He's played at the Bullets and played at the Sydney Kings in recent years. What do you make of all of those developments? Well, first, let's get to the actual releasing of him. It sounded more like the way the Adelaide put it, that he was pursuing other opportunities and that he wasn't released. Not sure that was the case. Um, it's probably a lot nice way to put it, but uh, you know, I think we talked about. I think it's just a nice. I think it's a nice way of parting company, so you can allow him to still look good for his next club. But I think it's fair to say that it was a, a club decision to let him go, not a not a player decision. Yeah, I think that I think everyone kind of reading into it would have 
deciphered that. Uh, and, you know, we talked about that after the first couple of games. Um, you know, there was just a number of times where he slipped over or just didn't feel like he could get by his man with... Um, no, that, that's the thing that stood out to me. He just couldn't, couldn't create too much off the dribble, could he? He couldn't get past his offender and... At times his shot would fall, but he couldn't really create anything, could he? No, and I and I think that's probably you know, and to me that's the tough part as, as you get older, and especially probably being a guard is that you're used yep. to being able to make all these decisions because you've got that speed and that quickness, and you can get by him, and then you got time. Well, you don't have time when a guy's right on your hip and you can't get by him, and you can't, you know, it just makes everything tougher. So probably probably not the best selection of the import especially at the guard spot i think um you know that's a tougher yeah. one to go with an older player you might be able to get away with it in that kind of three four five spot but when you need a guy that needs to be quick and get by his man to create it's uh it's probably probably the right decision by adelaide i think so you know they, they replaced him with jeremy kendall and uh and i think we talked about this as well is is if you're an american or you're you're an import and you're in australia you are very valuable with the uh, quarantine mm-hmm. rules and, and everything that's in place and the limited flights from all over the world to get back to Australia. So it's, uh, you know, Jeremy Kendall, you're doing doing well, staying and made the right decision. And he just keeps finding himself in different teams yeah. and, and different jobs. So it's, uh, you know, credit to him. He, he still got a good reputation and, and hopefully he can provide a little spark to Adelaide this season. And to be honest, he probably does give what Sloan couldn't quite do. He's a little bit quicker. He's probably a little bit more physical. And I think he does provide that option of, of a guard who can get by his defender. He can shoot the ball. He can, he can actually take it to the rack, even though he's fairly small. But he can create. They've got a lot of good shooters there in, in Adelaide, especially if you have a look at you know, needing somebody to set up DJ and Humphreys inside and then also to take some of the pressure off Giddy and also someone that can find a shot for... Tony Crocker, I think he's a pretty handy catch-and-shoot type player, but he just hasn't been able to play that role. So I think Kendall's probably a pretty good fit. Yeah, and he can probably slot in there with Giddy as well, so they can kind of play them at the Mm 1-2. And, you know, I think you need to surround as good a passer as Giddy is. Surround him with shooters. He's going to make all those guys uh, a better player. You know, Jeremy Kendall's not going to come in and average 20 points in this league, but he is a solid player, and he's got a good skill set. And, uh, you know, I think that it's going to be a, um, a good selection for him. I'm not sure that that's who they'll still have at the end of the season. I'm sure they're probably yeah. still looking for maybe that kind of next elite guard that they, you know, to match up with a Bryce Cotton and a Kiefer Sykes. That, t- that type of guy is probably what they really, really need. But it's hard to get mm. him on a uh, short time notice. And I'm sure they're keeping their eyes out for possibly making some changes um, down the track. The name that does jump out immediately to me when I think about it, and I know he's already got a contract now to play in Japan, DJ Newbel. He would be a perfect fit in that Adelaide Adelaide team. And can you imagine trying to score against both him and Sunday Detch at, at the same time? If you're a two or a three man, that would be that'd be pretty tough. Yeah, it give that you know that's make makes you a good point. That gives them uh, defensive side. That's probably been an area where mm. Adelaide hasn't been great. In the past, they've always kind of been that running gun and sometimes play pressure defense, but overall they've they probably struggled to consistently lock down teams. And I think being able to get another defender like a DJ Newble, who obviously played really well offensively last year, too, would be a, yeah. a great pickup. But you're right, he, he's already contracted in Japan, but those things can change pretty quickly. Hmm. Speaking of Japan, how exciting is it to have a a Japanese player not only come to our league, but now take 
take it by storm in so many ways. And what Udo Baba is doing with Melbourne United, and it's opened up by opportunities through injury with Shay Illy and Chris Golding out at the moment. But how exciting is it to see a Japanese player come out and play the way he is? Look, I I wouldn't sure. I hadn't really seen a whole lot of of him before he arrived here and uh mm. you know watching that game he got beat a couple times against bryce cotton early on and mm-hmm. i thought oh bryce has kind of got him figured out but Udibaba, i mean and credit to dean vickerman as well stayed with the matchup had yep. the courage to stay with it and he probably done as good a job as i've ever seen on bryce cotton and uh especially in that mm-hmm. second half that was uh that was some incredible display of defense and you know probably would make our our man damian martin pretty happy watching that other than i think he will feature in demos award this week if we if you tune in later other than maybe the fact that it was against the wildcats but yeah (laughs) you know to me the interesting part of that all is usually those guys that are outstanding local japanese players they don't want to leave that country because you know one they've got celebrity status there they're probably yep, earning yep. more there than they would if they come to the NBL. So credit to him to want to challenge his game, go against great players on a nightly basis. And the thing I love about him is how competitive he is. He just seems like mm-hmm. he is going to make winning plays, and uh, and he's doing that at the moment for Melbourne United. And it's not often you find a guard, especially the, who's fairly young, that can offensively both make plays, drive to the basket, and also shoot. Usually, they might have one of those traits, but he's he's got all all of the, all of those areas covered. He is the complete player. I think any coach, yeah. any team would love to have a guy like that. You're right because he can stretch the floor, put the ball on the floor, get to the rack, and then he flat out can defend. So give him a job. Mm. It looks sounds like he can uh, he can complete it. So um, credit to his development as well. I'm not sure the the exact how it all came about, but really impressive um, coming out of uh, Japan to have that quality of player and, and and how he's able to compete in this league. Absolutely. And yeah, as I said, Melbourne United keep on winning. So they're now six and zero, but the team that they beat on Wednesday night to open round five, the Hawks, interesting week for, for the Hawks. They got their name back. So they are now officially the Illawarra Hawks once again, and they got to play a home game back in Wollongong, but now they've lost a couple of games in a row. It was, a, it was an interesting week for for Brian Gorgian's men. Yeah, they got over, I think they needed to get over 4,000 memberships, and, and they mm. did get that, yeah. so credit for the community to get back to them, but you know, now they've lost two in a row. Um, they may want to uh, give that name back and just stay with the Hawks. <laughs> They're, uh, you know, it was, it was working, wasn't it? It was, uh, yeah, it picked up a couple losses pretty quick, but you know, if I'm Brian Gorgian, I'm not too concerned. You know, the losing against the Phoenix, against United, is a, those are tough opponents, especially, I guess, one on the road and then one at home against the, uh, the almighty United is a, uh, mm. is, is a tough task. But, and, and they're right in it as well. It wasn't, you know, they had their chances, but that's, that's part of the process. You know, they've got a lot of new members and, and players that, that still are trying to figure it out. And they probably caught some teams by surprise in the way they started. And now teams are kind of figuring out a little bit their defensive schemes and how they need to stop what they're doing. And so it's just kind of be this chess match. And, um, you know, you're probably going to choose Gorgon in a chess match with how much he's uh, mm. doing well. But now they need to make some adjustments and try and see if they can get back into that winner's circle. Now, we've been following the progress of 
Lamar Patterson and Scotty Hobson as well. After the the two superstars from last season have struggled early this year, they had better round round fours. Patterson, especially in the Saturday game for the Breakers up in Cairns, he was he was terrific in the second half. He looked a bit rusty again early coming off the bench. Interestingly, by Dan Shamir, but he took over that game in the second half and he was back to the Patterson of old by the last quarter. And I think the Breakers finished that game on a fifteen to three run and. Patterson scored most of those points. He wasn't quite as good on Monday night. And then Hobson, I think he's been getting better every game. And then his game last night when United needed him, that was clearly his best game. And it was almost the Hobson of old against the Hawks on, on Wednesday night. Um, what do you make of the, the progress of, of those two? Yeah, well, I thought Patterson, you know, he was trying to be aggressive on Saturday up in Cairns, but just mm. nothing was dropping in that first half. And I almost he just kind of felt like his struggles were continue, but hopefully for him, yeah, having that big second half, especially in the fourth quarter, will provide him with a little bit more confidence and get him acclimated to his teammates and probably giving his teammates trust in him as well. And then Scotty Hobson, I think he's you know he's going to be a nice complement player. Um, now that Chris Golding is injured as well, though, he's probably going to need to have to step up and and provide a little bit more scoring punch than he has um, previously. But, you know, he might also struggle for a little bit of minutes with how well Yuta Baba's playing as well. They kind of play the same position. So there's going to be some, I guess, in that. But, you know, he's we, we know what he's capable of, explosive player. And, you know, I think he's just going to be one of those guys that has a good year, and then he'll pop up yeah. and have a big game every now and again, 30-point game, and just kind of remind you of how talented he is. Yeah, I think you're right. He's the sort of guy that is just a piece of a puzzle in a championship team, potentially, rather than needing to be that that superstar. And and I think that's the way United's built this this whole team. They've just got so many guys who can step up on any given night. And I think in our Hoop Seven Player of the Year awards, Sean will definitely feature feature one of those superstars as well. So let's get to your voting for round four. Why don't we start with you with your one vote for this week, Sean? Well, Bryce Cotton. You know, I think you know that first half he was outstanding and. You'd hate to say it, but you'd, you, re- I mean, I know the Wildcats are one and two, but without Bryce Cotton, it would be, it could be even further down the track from that as well. But also, you know, they, they wouldn't be as competitive. So, you know, they're relying a lot on him. He's, he's working extremely hard. Probably why he ended up with that turnover at the end. We'll probably talk about that a little bit later, but mm. it, it, his level of play to start the year has been pretty, pretty special. Yeah, absolutely. And, as we'll talk about probably later on, he just isn't getting enough help right now. So that's the one area that the Wildcats need to to work on. Now, your two votes. Now, this man started the season slowly with the Phoenix, but, geez, warming up nicely. Yeah, I do. I give it to Ben Moore and, you know, 15 points, 14 rebounds. Um, you know, he's just doing those little things. He, he looks like an elite rebounder now. He's playing. Um, yep. He's tough to get keep off the glass. And if he can provide that rebounding, especially – with um with the limited um bigs that that the Phoenix have, I think he can be a real weapon for them down the stretch, and and they're starting to, I guess, get a feel for what he can provide as well. Sometimes it can take a few games for your Americans to try and step in and, and be that player that they want him to be. But now he's um had a great great week last week, and so he gets two points. Now this next man, the three votes. We know how good he can be, and he, he was right back to his best on Saturday for the Kings in Adelaide, and if he can keep his form up, then he might be able to take this Sydney team a long way. Well, they need him. They, they definitely need him to, mm. to play at a high level, and probably not the level that 
We're accustomed to seeing him play the first few weeks, but, you know, 27 points and was outstanding in that Sydney Kings win. So, you know, encouraging song. Casper Ware we're obviously talking about. For the uh, Sydney Kings, Casper Ware, that's right. He's um, yeah. he's one of those guys that uh, he's a two-way player. He can play defense. He's strong. He's aggressive. He's quick. And when his shot is dropping, he's as tough as they come in the league. Now, four votes. Now, this man, he's, he's had a tough season. He still had a... He's had a good season himself, but he's, gee, he's become the focus of attention of the opposition every game. But he had a huge game in a loss for his team on Saturday, and then he, he just ran his team tremendously when they bounced back to win on, on Monday night. Look, he is, you know, he's another guy that's probably playing at a really high level, similar to Bryce Carlton. They're not getting the, I guess, the wins to show for it. Mm. Probably missing one more piece to, to come along with them. But, you know, as a player, I'd love to play with Scott Machado and some of the stats yeah. he's putting up is pretty impressive. 25 points, 13 assists, two steals, and a loss to the New Zealand Breakers. You know, it was, was outstanding. And then in the win... You know, to uh, put up 13 points, 13 assists. You know, he's getting his teammates involved. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to have to get a few more assists this year just to kind of keep everyone happy and spread the spread yeah. the love just because, you know, he does. he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot with them not really having other playmakers out there on the court. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the five votes for this week. Now, this is a man that's probably too good for, for the NBL in some ways right now. He should be playing at the next level, you would think, and it's probably only a matter of time until he does, but we're enjoying having him in the NBA right now. We talked about winning is a, a big part of the player of the year voting, um, and obviously Melbourne yeah. United are, are leading in that category, and I think this guy is a is a big reason why. And, and his numbers don't really jump out at you all the time, but when, if you watch him play and you watch how much respect the opposition has for him, when he gets the mm-hmm. ball on the block, I mean, he's only played a couple of games, He's getting double teamed most of the time. So he's actually opening it up for all the shooters. You know, Mitch McCarron, Udi Baba, um, Scotty Hobson, Chris Golding. So, you know, mm. to me, he's kind of that focal point of the team, although he may not be the leading scorer at the end of the year. But when he gets the ball, I mean, his skill level, that move where he spun off John Moody and got a dunk, I mean, there's very mm. few guys in our league that can that can make that move. So he's, he's an impressive and, and great start to the – year for United, although not putting up as huge a numbers, but I think it's just the yeah. pure attention that he's getting on a nightly basis. Well, he's really the only big, the only genuine big on that whole roster as well. I mean, they've got Loal Chul, who's kind of a three or a four man, really, ideally. I mean, he's their only genuine big on the whole roster. Yeah, and so they're going to re- need to rely on him to man the middle and, and really provide. So I guess, to me, it's it's also keep trying to keep him out of foul trouble, you know, if, yep. you, if you need that, but you know, I, 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 we talked about at the start of the year. I like the look of Melbourne United and just how the pieces fit together. They've got guys that can play defense. They've got guys that know how to move the basketball. They've got shooters. So they've got a good balance out there. It's just a matter of, one, keeping healthy and keeping everyone happy. Absolutely. So that means on our leaderboard for our Hoop 7 Player of the Year Award, Sean, we've still got Isaac Humphreys from Adelaide on top with 10. We've got Tyler Harvey from the Hawks on 9. Then we've got Justin Simon, Scott Machado, and Jock Landale all on five. Daniel Johnson, Vic Law, Bryce Cotton on four. Casper Ware, Nathan Sobey on three. Ben Moore, Mitch Creek, Cam Oliver on two. Getting a little bit tighter up the top, but it's an impressive group of players. It is, and uh, probably looking at the list, there's um, there's some good candidates. No, no one's going to jump out 
yet. And uh, if you can give out five points each round, uh, you know, all it takes is a couple rounds, have some great uh, mm-hmm. couple weeks, and you could be right up to the top of the leaderboard. So I'll be, it'll be fun to keep this tally and see how it uh, plays out the rest of the year. Yeah, and I'm happy that it's going to be, going to be your award. You're casting all these votes, so it's going to be fascinating to see how it how it pans out. Now let's take a deep breath, Sean, on Hoops Heaven's basketball hustle. When we come back, we'll look at all of the results in a bit more detail from round four in the NBL. Back on Hoops Heaven's basketball hustle, I'm with Sean Redditch, the scoring machine. So let's take a look at the results from the rest of the game from round four, Sean. It started Friday night, and Melbourne United continued their winning ways in Brisbane, beating the Brisbane Bullets 109-96. to Then Saturday, up in Cairns, the New Zealand Breakers made it six losses in a row for the Cairns Taipans, winning 85-79. to Then the Sydney Kings, they gave the Adelaide 36ers a big loss on their home floor, 94-75. to then Sunday, first game in Melbourne for the season, and the Hawks suffered their first loss. South East Melbourne Phoenix beating them 98 to 82. And then in Bendigo, Melbourne United 75 to 71 over the Perth Wildcats. And Monday night, finally the Taipans broke their six game losing streak and they beat the New Zealand Breakers 84 to 69. And then already, as we record this for the release on Thursday, Wednesday night saw the opening to round five and Melbourne United. Went to 6-0. and They beat the Illawarra Hawks in Wollongong, 91-88. to A lot to digest there, Sean, but what sort of jumps out, out at you? Well, yeah, there's some interesting results there. You know, the Sydney Kings being able to beat the Adelaide 36ers by, by 19 in Adelaide. Mm. Um, and probably the writing on the wall for Donald Sloan as well in that one. So, you know, to me, the interesting one with the 36ers, well, they've, they've got so many home games is how they're going to be able to, to handle going on the road. Can they continue? Um, you know, they had a pretty good start to the year, but you're seeing a lot of teams right in the middle, right around that 500 outside of probably United and the Hawks. No one's really um, setting the league on fire at the moment, so it's going to be come down to a lot of a lot of these close games that that potentially could get you into the top four or not. So just just pay attention. You know the Wildcats have lost two tough ones at the moment. Um, you sit in one and two, and who knows how long it's going to be till they're going to be able to play another home game as well. So yeah. you know one of the things that I took out of that game. Wildcats and you nodded was just you know how much work Bryce Cotton has to do and I know a lot of people talk about hey get the ball to your superstar but you know there's got to be times where you get it to other people every time down the court they just seem to uh really missing that kind of third score Blanchfield and Steindl have been solid probably Blanchfield more Steindl hasn't really found his groove yet but they really need those two to kind of step up to be able to provide some relief for Bryce Cotton with all the work that he has to do well you're right I mean especially shooting wise having a look at Blanchfield and Steindl I think we'd regard them both as good three-point shooters but so far this season we've got Blanchfield going at four or 16 from the field 25 percent and Steindl, 3 or 14, at 21%. To me, they're the two guys that can be that extra third scorer behind 
Cotton and, and Mooney, but right now they, they just need to shoot the ball better and, and possibly be a bit more aggressive and, and look for look for more shots too. Yeah, I think um, we saw that with Stondel probably a few seasons ago. He was probably rushing it and pushing it a little bit too much and just trying to get on track. But, you know, he's capable of catching on fire pretty quickly. So, I mean, we're only three games into the season and, and obviously Blanchfield's trying to find his new role. How can he play off? Cotton and, and kind of, you know, I, I kind of envision Blanchfield being a little bit of that closer that Trico White was, whereas yeah. first three quarters, so much attention is being played to Bryce Cotton that then in the fourth quarter when he gets triple team, he just kicks it out to those guys and fawns them for the, the ones that seal the deal. So, you know, I think it's still a work in progress, but I guess probably nine games and is it 23 days or, or whatever the mm-hmm. NBL Cup is, is going to be a, a great chance for them to find their, their rhythm. Yeah, and two more against the Phoenix this weekend as well before that, which we'll, we'll learn a lot from. So thanks for all of your insight there, Sean, into round four in the NBLs. When we come back, we'll have the Demo Award with Damian Martin, thanks to Boomerang. After that, we'll do the Tap Touch preview with Matty Knighton, and I'll be back here with you, Sean. Okay, Damo, thanks for joining us here again on Hoop7's Basketball Hustle. Of course, you're here thanks to Boomerang, and the Damo Award is thanks to thanks to Boomerang. So we're very happy for the support of Dion and his team there to, to be bringing you to us each and every week. Before we get to the votes for this week, did you survive the WA lockdown, and how's this week treating you so far? Yeah, it was actually, you know, obviously under the circumstances behind it weren't good, but for me it was nice to have five days at home. It's been very busy few months with work, so to have five days where I couldn't leave the house, and in particular the timing of it, my daughter Maggie was supposed to start school, and I uh, had barely seen her the, the week or two prior to that, so to have five days with her, school was obviously pushed back, and uh, yeah, and then a lot of quality time with my two daughters, and in particular Maggie, who is, who is now officially at school, and she's absolutely loving it, and all we talk about is her friends, or the books, or the <laughs> different people she met that day, so... Yeah, very proud slash nervous week for, for me as a dad with a, a kid finally going to school. What was it like sending her off to school on Monday morning? How Was it emotional? Yeah, it was. So with the new restrictions due to the, the COVID lockdown, only one parent could actually mm. walk the child into class. So as soon as the restrictions were announced, Brittany just looked at me and said, I'm taking Maggie, and that's not a battle I was ever going to win. So we, we both drove Maggie and obviously had my, my two-year-old in the car, Bonnie, with us. And Bonnie got out with Maggie. I gave her a big kiss and cuddle. And then Britt, my wife, stayed with the, the girls. And then oh, my little darling, she's so beautiful, so outgoing, so social. But for the first time, you know, she looked at mummy and mum, Britt said to her, look, oh, just be brave. I've got to go now. And she looked at mum and said, mummy, I don't know if I can be brave. Wow. And that time, breaks your heart but you know I probably stayed with my wife and I the whole day that comment and instead by the time we picked her up she's like I had the best day and this and that and then last last night um, my wife was talking to Maggie right before bed and said oh Maggie I miss you so much when you're at school and Maggie said mummy I I don't miss you at all she goes mummy I love you but but I don't miss you and we're like I guess that's what you want to hear but Mm. still still broke her heart but probably the perfect when you think about it, so uh, so far so good to answer your question. What what are you making of the basketball you're seeing right now? What have you made of the first four rounds of this season? What what's it like now being a spectator watching on? Yeah, I'm enjoying it because normally when I'm preparing for games, I only really focus in 
on the upcoming opponent. And so I'll be reviewing how we played, what we could have done better, what I could have done better. And then, you know, the team we're about to play. Sitting back and actually getting to watch every game, I'm thoroughly enjoying. And it's the skill level I probably didn't appreciate as much until now. You know, you look at what some of the individuals are doing, whether it's step-back threes, pull-up threes in transition, mm-hmm. Euro steps in the N1, the, the shooting. You know, I know Chris Goulding injured himself, but the performance he put on in that fourth yeah. quarter, um, the, the prior game, was just incredible. So I'm just enjoying the skill level and probably enjoying it for the sake of what's happening opposed to a scouting viewpoint where you're kind of watching mm-hmm. not necessarily what the person with the ball is doing, what the people off the ball are doing. So, yeah, impressed with uh, what's going on out out on the court and whether it's a, a Chris Goulding three. You know, what Kent did the other night was incredible with, with Zoy and Dang in particular yeah. stepping up. Um, you know, you, you name a team and I could tell you a player or two that I've been really uh, impressed with. Do you have a look at anyone when you're watching and wish that you had the chance to get out there and guard them? Or are you the opposite and wish and are you glad that you're not having to go out there and, and guard somebody? <laughs> it, in my head, I can still move. In reality, I can't. <laughs> so I know that if I was out there on some of these plays, the Hawks guards, the Hawks backcourt, mm. I'd love to have a shot at because they're playing with such confidence. Um, you know, a couple of lefties, step-back threes, off the dribble, whatever it may be. So I'd love to have a go there. And then Sykes, uh, what Keeper Sykes is doing. When he gets going, he is a lot of fun to watch. And you can't help it, well, I can't help but be in my head saying, you know, I'd, I'd send him this way or I'd do that in that position or in that circumstance. So I'm still kind of scouting the guys I really would love to play, knowing full well that if I got out there on a basketball court and it was one-on-one, I'd get completely embarrassed. So I'll, I'll enjoy it in my head. <laughs> well, he, I mean, that, that play where he picked the pocket of Bryce Cotton when they're uh, up top one-on-one, I've never seen anyone do that to Bryce before. Yeah, it's uh, a very, very rare circumstance for Bryce to turn it over. Uh, off the dribble, let alone have it picked. So, yeah, I, I don't think you'll see that too often, but that's just the quality of player. You know, Sykes, well, a bunch of the guys are mm. now. Baba, Sykes, you know, we're seeing some world-class defenders out there and uh, that'll continue throughout the season of guys stepping up that you probably weren't expecting because they're new to the league. Well, that's what you're here for, Damo, to talk about the defenders. You're here for the Damo Award, thanks to Boomerang, the best defensive player. So we've got the votes in for round four. Do you want to start with our, our, our one-vote winner? Yeah, went to Sykes. So I think defensively he is a pest. I watched him live in Perth when they had back-to-back games against the Wildcats. And he just used, I thought he used so much of his energy picking up Bryce, denying Bryce full court, then trying to guard him in the half court. Since then, he's taking on more of a half court approach, which means not only can he still afford to get after it defensively in the half court, but he's still playing really well at the other end and, and the energy he's getting from, you know, putting the ball through the bucket then kind of motivates him to then go get a stop. So I actually prefer him not getting full court and playing denial defense mm-hmm. in the de- defensively at the half court. And I thought he, he was great again over the weekend and, and just a pest. He's just a, a lofty undertender that can, uh, I mean, he had a couple of block shots and yeah. he's super athletic, but he's not the smallest guy, but a couple of block shots to steal but just overall just a pest regardless of who is guarding. Yeah, we get to see him go against Bryce now twice this weekend too, which is going to be fascinating. Now, your two votes, I'm loving watching this guy play at both ends of the floor. He's an excitement machine, and it's fantastic for the league to have have our first Japanese superstar. Yeah, you're exactly right. So we obviously played against him with the Boomers, and when we scouted him playing the Boomers, when the Boomers played Japan, we're like, this guy is legit. Like, they've got some great players. And then to see him now out there doing his thing, you're just like, 
I mean, it took it, it took a couple of injuries to be honest. Mm. He was playing behind Billy, behind Goulding. So, it, I mean, it's a good problem to have when you're a coach. But when Illy and, and Chris Goulding are, are back healthy, you know, what are they going to do? So, mm. yeah, Babbo are both in. You know, he was my selection for two points. Easily could have won all three, but. Yeah, they've been uh, special performances that he's put on in back-to-back games, so we'll just have to wait and see what he, what he can do this weekend. But I think you start to see the real side of him as a basketball player playing both ends, and it'll be interesting what minutes he plays, uh, in particular once Illy's back, because he does mm. prefer that pure point guard position. Now, there's something something exciting when you see a big guy play good defense and go for his shot blocking and to try to intimidate shots, and, and this guy was doing everything, so he wasn't just doing that, but... Your three votes went to went to a southeast Melbourne big man. Oh, uh, more! I think Ben had. I was trying to find the stats. I think it was fifteen points, fourteen rebounds, and three a blocks. Of, but he but he changed a lot yeah. more shots than just the three blocks. Yeah, he, it was. He, he was just dominant at both ends and just solid. Like it's not like it took. He, he was just so efficient at both ends. So you knew that regardless whether he got a block shot or not, it was going to be contested. He knew that when they wanted to roll it into the post, it was going to be a hard feed. He made it for the passer. So those little things that you love seeing, just to either make the, the, the offensive player step off the block opposed to catching it on the block where it's his preferred position, those little things go a long way to making it a contested hard shot opposed to a semi-contested shot in the key way. And so that's what he was doing, the little things as well that didn't show up on the box score. And that's why he just picked out Baba for, for the ones after the three points and my number one pick for this week's Defender of the Week. He was brilliant at both ends. He's copped a bit of criticism. Uh, I know that we've talked about it before, that his coach loves him. Uh, Simon Mitchell absolutely loves him. His teammates love him. But, you know, he's had a couple of quieter performances. And when there's only two imports allowed per team, there's not much forgiveness mm-hmm. out there. But I think he's seeing what he's capable of, and it wouldn't surprise me if he backs up with another big weekend. Yeah, he's, he's looking he's looking good now. He's warming up nicely. Now your award's warming up nicely too. So far, we haven't had a player that's backed up to get to get votes twice. So that means we're seeing a lot of guys stepping up to play play some really good defense right now. Yeah, you're exactly right. And it's funny you go through you know that leaderboard, and you're exactly right. Now one player has been in there. Two weeks, maybe Sykes might be the first player, or maybe I thought of him. And uh, I, he I just think he got close a couple of weeks ago. You mentioned like, yeah. he got fourth. He got fourth. <laughs> so uh, that you're exactly right. Each week when I'm watching all these games on TV, it's hard for me to uh, actually come up with a three-two-one. This week, to be honest, was probably my easiest of the first three rounds, just because I thought more and and uh, Babo in particular yeah. was sent. But uh, yeah, it's just showing that as much as we like to compliment the abilities that these players have at the offensive end, there is a plethora of good defenders out there stepping up when it when it really counts and putting it all out there. I mean, you look at the rotation of Illawarra, they played 10 plays in the first quarter. <laughs> yeah. Like, they get after it, and that's why they've got to run deep in the bench. So I'm loving watching Illawarra from a defensive perspective because if you're going to be out on the court for Brian Gordon, you better be playing defense. Mm-hmm. These guys are doing just that, with the exception of Melbourne, where they let it get away from them. And, yeah. and I don't think you're going to see that too often. But, uh, yeah, it's been a fun season so far, that's for sure. Now, just very quickly, Damon, before I let you go, Thursday night, it's a big big night for Trevor Gleeson, somebody that obviously has had a big part in, in your career yeah. as he becomes the, the longest-serving Wildcats coach in history, already the most successful with his with his five championships, obviously. I mean, when you think back to your time under, under Trevor, I don't want to ask you to compare coaches because obviously you had such a great relationship with Bevo, but what made Trev such a, such a special coach? 
He is such a hard worker. He's a blue-collar guy that knows the game so well. And the reason he knows, and not just from his longevity in the sport, but the amount of work he's put in behind the scenes to look at every type of scenario, to watch video, to look at different teams across the world. It's not just NBL and NBA teams he looks at. He watches a lot of video on European teams. So he's got the IQ, don't get me wrong. But he's also got a willingness to push players to a point where some players don't last very long. But the mm. players who do usually play their best basketball because regardless of what you might see on the surface, you know, if you go to a game live, he genuinely cares for his players. So even if you see him, you know, getting after a player or getting after a ref, the, the stuff he does with his players comes from a good place. He cares for his players. And the, and the longer I played for him, it kind of went from being a coach-player relationship to just two mates who wanted to win a championship and yeah. we're going to do it for a chuck. And now, if that meant him you know, ripping me in front of the group because I wasn't doing my role, and so be it. But he, he has always made it very simple. Know your role, do it to the best of your ability, play as hard as you can for as long as you can, and be unselfish while you're out on the court, and you'll play minutes. Mm. And so he's got a few little things he throws away, good to great, always give up a good look offensively for a great look if it means an extra pass, uh, and making sure you're always doing the sacrifices and playing defense. So he uh, he's kept it very consistent, and those players that were willing to put their body on their line, play every possession like it was their last, and play unselfish for the betterment of the team, they're the ones that have stuck around for a while and have thoroughly enjoyed some mm. success whilst playing for him. So, hell of a coach. It's a huge milestone to achieve and one that I'm sure he probably won't really, like many milestones, to be honest, you don't really give credit to it until you retire. Yeah. Uh, but he's got plenty of years left uh, as a head coach, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, fantastic, Damo. Thanks again for all of your insights. Thanks to... Thank you. Thank you for presenting the demo again. Thanks to Boomerang, and we'll do it all again next week. Sounds good, mate. Great round of basketball coming up, and bring on the NBL Cup. I'm loving how much basketball is going to be on our TVs. Okay, back on Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. I'm joined by Maddie Knight for the Tab Touch preview once again. Very honoured to be joined by one of the all-time greats of the NBL, and, and certainly in my time, the best power forward that, that I saw in the league. Maddie, how are you enjoying, you know, I guess watching the league a bit more closely now since you, you've joined us here on here on the show? Yeah, no, it's uh, kind of good to get back into it. Um, like I said, when I first joined out, it's been a long time since I uh, watched any games, so... I think the league has improved and there's a lot, of, a lot of good athletes out there now which makes it exciting to watch. Mm. Now, as we record this on Thursday for when the, sh- the show comes out this week, we've had the opening to round five on Monday night and, and you thought Melbourne United was, was a juicy bet to get that win in, in Wollongong and, and you, you proved right even even though they were missing a few key players. Yeah, no, I just, uh, like I've said all along, they've got, they've got a lot of good uh, depth on that team and um, Illawarra, obviously, back home in front of nearly a cell out at the, the Snake Pit or whatever it's called now. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Melbourne, after a tough win against Perth on the weekend. But, um, yeah, I think it's just Melbourne, they've got the complete roster. Even though you're missing a couple of key players, the players are really starting to step up and it shows you the character of a good team. Absolutely. Now, round five continues Thursday night, Matty, and it's... Uh, it's a fascinating game. It's in Melbourne, southeast Melbourne Phoenix against the the Perth Wildcats. Third third time these teams have already played this season. Last time was obviously a memorable game when Phoenix won on on the buzzer with that that miss from from Jesse Wagstar. What are you expecting from this one? 
Yeah, I'm expecting another close game. Um, Perth probably had another week now to get some practice in. Obviously, they've had the quarantine issues in uh, the last couple of weeks, but um, they did well against Melbourne on the weekend. And then um, you've got South East who had a big win against the Hawks mm. on the weekend. And actually, both Phoenix and Wildcats played Melbourne United really well. Yeah, they did, yeah. Um, so it'll be another close game, but I'm thinking um, South East at home, there'll be confident. I reckon they should get up for a win. Yeah, I, I think so too. I really like the, the way that group's coming together. I think Ben Moore's looking looking good as a big guy. Kiefer Sykes is the point guard. You've always got Mitch Creek there, who is pretty tough to stop too. So, uh, I think yeah, I think they're, they're starting to gel as a team now. So, um, obviously, probably been a week on the road in Perth, brought them together. Mm. Um, always helps when it's just you guys. Um, no outside noise. So, I think they're starting to build something. But, um, yeah, you can never underestimate Perth and you got anything that's got price cotton mm. on it is a dangerous thing. Yeah. So, but I still think Phoenix yep. has just got too many weapons first. Okay, so that's Thursday night. So on Tab Touch, you've got the Phoenix paying 150 and the Wildcats are 260. Friday night, Sydney Kings, their first home game of the season. They've done pretty well on the road, I think, especially given the injuries they've had. So they're hosting the New Zealand Breakers. On Tab Touch, we've got the Kings 144, the Breakers $2.70. I was surprised Sydney got up over Adelaide, especially the way Adelaide's been playing last week. They played really good considering the injuries they've got. Casper looked like the old Casper mm-hmm. West, so if he continues to play like that, Sydney's going to be uh, dangerous, especially with the players they've got to come back. And then you look at New Zealand, where they get their first win, and mm-hmm. then they can't back it up. So I don't know whether they've been on the road since early December yeah. starting to take a toll on them. Um, it would be tough to live in our hotels for that period of time and on the road. But, um, yeah, I just think Sydney is going to build as well, especially if Casper continues to play the way he is. Mm. I think uh, Sydney will be too strong. Yeah, I think so too. Now, we've got a doubleheader on Saturday. And first up, we've got, we're going back to Bendigo for Melbourne United to host the Cairns Taipans. I mean, I, I, it's hard to go past Melbourne United, but... Um, the Taipans might take some confidence after after snapping that losing streak. Yeah, no, you think they'd have some confidence uh, finally getting over that losing streak. Mm. But um, you know, I think Melbourne United would have built some more confidence getting the win on uh, Wednesday night against the Hawks. It'll be a great matchup. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of good uh, matchups across the board. So, but I still think Melbourne United's got too much depth right now, and they should uh, in a close game. But I think they'll get up. Then the second game on Saturday, this is another interesting one. These two teams are both pretty pretty up and down. We've got, we're going to Brisbane. The Brisbane Bullets hosting the Adelaide 36ers, the first road game of the season for the Sixers. And on tap touch, we've got the Bullets 164 and the 36ers are 227. Yeah. You just never know what you can get from these two teams. No. I think it's been like that for the last few years yeah. with both these teams. They are, when you think, yeah, you know how they're going to play, they come out and um, do the complete opposite. I reckon Adelaide would be quite upset to lose that game to Sydney last weekend, considering that it was in Adelaide. Brisbane, they've got a talent up there, but they just can't seem to put it all together. You'd think Brisbane would be too strong. Um, Adelaide's obviously already replaced one import. So, uh, yeah, but I think Brisbane, up in home, Adelaide's first away game, I think Brisbane would be too strong. Yeah, I, I probably agree as well. Then Sunday, second home game for for the weekend for the Sydney Kings, so they'll be they'll be enjoying that. And then they but they take on the Hawks, who are looking to now bounce back from losing their their last two games. 
Yeah, this would be a, this would be a really good game. Yeah, Illawarra coming off a two-game losing streak after starting four and zero. You don't want to lose too many in a row. And then you got Sydney back home, backing up after Friday night's game. But yeah, it'll be interesting. But I think uh, Illawarra. I'll be desperate to get back on the winners list, and always a fiercely fought battle between the mm. two Sydney teams. So, George will be back in Sydney for yeah. the first time. So, um, yeah, I just think that uh, with Sydney's uh, lack of depth right now due to the injuries, and Illawarra played Melbourne Knight really well right up until the last yeah. play, really. Yeah. So, yeah, I just think um, even though the Hawks lost, they'll come in with some confidence. Now, the last two games of the round are both. Rematches from earlier in the round, so it might depend a lot on what happens in those first games. But first up, we've got Sunday in Melbourne, the Phoenix and the Milecats doing it all over again. Yeah, the fourth time we've played each other within a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, unheard of, really. <laughs> but yeah, I think a lot will depend on their, their game tonight. Whoever wins, the other team's going to have to make some adjustments. Mm. Uh, it'll be interesting, but I, if, uh, I think South East can probably get the double against the Wildcats. And then the last one, Monday night, both the 36ers and the Bullets have to jump on that plane from Brisbane, go back to Adelaide and, and play each other all over again. Yeah, it's interesting how they've done the scheduling yeah. this year. Um, it's almost like a final series, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, play each other, jump on the plane together yeah. and play the other team. I they'll probably be on the same plane. Yeah, no, you think so. Um, it'll be interesting. Um, a lot will depend on how, how that first game goes, but... Um, you almost have to think Adelaide mm. back home. We've got a lot to play for. I'm not sure if Kendall's cleared to play yet, but I, I, we'll think, he might, you know, I think he might be doubtful for the first game, but I think they expect him to play for this home game. Okay, well then he gives them another another scoring option. Yeah, Adelaide, but um, I just think uh, Adelaide's big with DJ and Isaac Humphries. They're a pretty uh, potent big court, um, big team. So I think yeah. Adelaide back home should get the W. Yeah, it should be fascinating to watch, Matty. Um, now, you went pretty close on your multi-bet on Tab Touch last week, and you've started well this week, so you just need the two more leagues to go right, and we might have our have our first win, win here on the show. We're, we're, we're still stuck on zero, unfortunately, but we're getting closer. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, hopefully uh, this week gets up. I'll probably tip against the teams I've actually got my bets on this week. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've just gone for it. Try and go out hard and try and get that first win on the board. Yeah, I think I think you've gone. So you, you've got Melbourne United already. You got up, and then I think you've gone Brisbane to beat the Thirty Sixes, and yep. then and then I think you've gone Perth to beat the Phoenix. But at two dollars sixty, the Wildcats they don't lose three games in a row too often. So at two dollars sixty, it's probably worth a worth a gamble. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've played each other twice, and they've been both close games. Yep. So to yep. see Perth. I think it was the highest I've seen Perth last week at three dollars fifty, and then three dollars sixty is still pretty high for for a Wildcats team who's going to be desperate. But um, yeah, so I've jumped on them, mm-hmm. and then um, yeah, I assume Brisbane at home against Adelaide should yeah. be uh, almost a given. Yep. All right. Fingers crossed, Matty. And remember, if you do have a bet, gamble responsibly. But thanks to Tab Touch for making that possible, and of course, we're doing it all for charity, so we're trying to raise this money for charity. So let's hope we have some good news to report back next week, Matty. But Thanks again for all of your insight into round five of the NBL and look forward to seeing seeing how we go next week. Thanks for having me on, champ.
Big thank you to Matty Knight there for the Tab Touch preview and all of his insights into the games to come in round five in the NBL. Following on from that, Sean, let's, let's get your tips on the record for, for the games to come. We've already seen, obviously, the Hawks lose to Melbourne on Wednesday night. Now, next game up is Thursday night, the Phoenix at home to the Wildcats. What do you think? Well, look, two teams that know each other quite well. And, uh, mm. you know, I think the Wildcats, they're, they're going to be pretty motivated to come back and, and get a win versus Phoenix. So I'm actually going to pick the Wildcats, even though the Phoenix are at home. I think okay. now that they've, they're they out of quarantine, they're able to live a little bit more normal. That might uh, give them a little bit more energy to, uh, to get a win on Thursday. And Friday night. Sydney Kings, first home game of the season in Sydney against the New Zealand Breakers. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Kings at home. Um, you know, the Breakers just been so hot and cold. You just don't know. They're relying on Ty Webster to do a lot. But, you know, if, if, if I'm looking at it, he needs to get the other guys involved. I know he's, he's, he's super talented and he can score, but he needs to kind of be that Machado distributor early and then be the closer late. But it seems to be he wants to get to the rack, and um, I think it's hurting the flow of their team at times. Then mm. Saturday, Melbourne United and the Kansas Taipans in Bendigo. Yeah, well, I'm going to go with United. I mean... The, the, their form, although I think the Taipans have a great shot at this one. If I'm going to pick an upset of the week, it's probably going to be this one. Just without Golding, mm-hmm. um, I think the Taipans could uh, could pinch this one. And also Saturday, Brisbane Bullets at home to the 36ers. Well, I'm going to go with the Bullets. You know, the 36ers, um, w- w- this is going to be their test. You know, going on the road, can they... Can they get a win without being at, at, at the home crowd of, of they've got at the Adelaide Entertainment Center? So it's going to be – I'm going to go with the Bullets. I like the way Vic Law is playing. He's um, really stepping yeah. up his game, and Sobey's playing at a high level as well. And the Kings are still at home um, on Sunday against the Hawks. Look, I'm going to go with the Hawks. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that they, they lost a couple and uh, the Kings having to play on Friday, so – you know, I think the Hawks, uh, they look like they actually enjoy playing away from home. So um, they've got their new name back, maybe, uh, or sorry, their <laughs> new old name back. <laughs> and uh, see if they can get their first win as the Illawarra Hawks this year. Mm. And also Sunday, rematch from Thursday. we got Southeast Melbourne and Perth doing it all over again. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the, the Wildcats again. Uh, I, you yeah. know, I think they played the Phoenix. It's been two great games. And I expect the, the same. Um, and I expect Blanchfield and Stondel will have some big ones this week. And then the 36ers and Bullets also with a rematch, but this time they do it in Adelaide on Monday. Yeah, it just seems like you play teams twice in, in one week this season in the yeah. NBL, which is, which is pretty unique compared to previous seasons. Um, I'm going to go with 36ers being at home on that one. And, uh, you know, seeing if they can get Jeremy Kindle his first win as a 36er. Okay. Thanks for that, Sean. We'll keep an eye on on that, and we'll also get your multi-bet thanks to TabTouch on Friday morning and check out TabTouch social media accounts for, for that. Um, now, another thing I wanted to get your thoughts on before we wrap up, Sean, Trevor Gleeson. He obviously was a, a coach who had a, a big say in, in your career. Um, you won... You won championships under him. He, you retired under under him, and I think you, well, 
I don't want to put words in your mouth. I think you had a great time playing under him overall. He now becomes the longest-serving Wildcats coach in history. Um, he'll pass Alan Black. He's already the most successful coach in Wildcats history. Um, could have you could have you seen that coming when he when he initially arrived? Because it was a it was a he had big shoes to fill, and he there was no guarantee he was going to be successful when he was coming coming and taking over from from Rob Beveridge. No, it was an interesting time. You know, Rob Beveridge had taken us to a number of grand finals and obviously won it in 2010 and came up a little bit short um, the next few years against the New Zealand Breakers. And, and the Wildcats kind of felt like they they needed a change at that that point. Um, obviously, Trevor Gleason was just coming off. In, you know, I think everyone in the league had a tremendous amount of respect for him and what he was able to do up at Townsville and how tough um, it was to get a win against his teams up there and, and a team that, you know, in a smaller market and, and probably not, not as much talent as you get at some of the bigger clubs. So he did some great things there, went to Melbourne and, you know, things didn't go as planned, you know, I think mm-hmm. in, um, then got the chance to come over to the Wildcats and, and, you know, I think it's, you, you just not, you don't know what's going to happen. Um, but he's done tremendous amount. I mean, the results speak to themselves. Five championships, 231 games coached. And, uh, you know, I think Alan Black said in the, in the paper today was that, uh, you know, the, the Wildcats can be pretty ruthless with their coaches. So for him to mm-hmm. be around that long, have that much success, uh, big credit to him. You know, I think one of the things that he's done really well is, is kind of connect the past. Um, but also put his own little flavor on on the Wildcats mm. and and what it means to be a Wildcat and you know he's had some some tremendous amount of success um, respect amongst the playing group and and uh, you know you can't you can't look past all the championships and and one of the things yeah. about Trevor is you know he's got his system you're going to play in his system um, but then within that he'll give he'll give you you know your your guys that need to have that little freedom to be successful that freedom and so you know you look at a Bryce Cotton and just um you know how much he's blossomed under under a, a Trevor Gleason and it's you know it's been been fun to watch especially playing for him and and now uh hmm. now living in Perth uh to see how much success he's been able to bring to the Wildcats the other fascinating aspect of it for me is that before he came to Perth he had no love for the for the Wildcats, and they were probably his great rivals of of his previous life, lives as a as a coach. I remember when he was in Townsville, um, he, he'd had a there was a remarkable history with him and, and Perth. He obviously had that that elimination final game, the memorable memorable one with John really going nuts and Corey Williams celebrating afterwards. And he was the coach. I, I think a lot of people forget that he was the coach of the type of the Crocodiles at that at that time. Um, I remember there was a game where he got ejected here in Perth as well and I remember catching up with him after that game um at a at a hotel and just to, to, to think that at that point the way he was feeling about Perth to think he would end up being the Wildcats most successful coach was was remarkable what was it like playing against against teams coached by him before he came to Perth oh they were always really well I mean coach obviously but they ran their structure really well um and he just kind of felt guys kind of knew their role and so when you got guys that know their role and, and run a, 
um, the structure really well. It, it, it really puts pressure on you as a team to be disciplined, to be able to follow through. Um, and if you aren't disciplined, you're going to get found out. And, you know, his teams, uh, they were always, it was going to be competitive. He was, had his teams playing well. You knew that they were going to compete and uh, you were going to have to play extremely well to get a win. So, um, you know, I think that's one of the things you can't discount just because you look at a team and may not have won a championship, like say Trevor Gleason in Townsville, you can't discount what he did there. Um, but then put him in an environment like the Wildcats and the resources and his incredible ability to coach. And, and that, then you see what, um, what can transpire five championships, um, and an incredible run and probably, you know, maybe the best we've ever seen in a, in a 10 year span, this, this, this mm-hmm. Wildcats previous teams and, and current team has been able to, uh, to do in, in NBL basketball. And, and, you know, Trevor Gleason is a big part of that. So it's been, um, you know, credit to him and, and how he's gone about it. And, you know, I have no doubt probably down the track, he'll be uh line up for a boomer's job there. I know that's, that's on the horizon and a goal mm. of his as well. Yeah. Uh, I think he must've gone incredibly close to getting the job this year when Brian Gorge ended up getting, getting the nod. So I think it is a, a matter of time you would, assume um just one last thing sean and then we'll we'll wrap it up for this week when we come back next week we'll be getting ready for the nbl cup it'll only be days away we've seen the schedule now released for the for the for that tournament we pretty much have games most days and every every game that there's a game on it's a double header double header night so we're going to be we're going to be busy watching the action um looking forward to it i am looking forward to it i'm trying to uh clear my schedule so i can find some time to <laughs> to catch all these games it's going to be an exciting time of uh of basketball and you know something that you know, in the sporting landscape we haven't been able to really see for a long time so many games being played in such a short time in, in this COVID environment that we're living in. So I, I think all sports fans, NBL fans, I, I hope the fans in Victoria really get behind us, and I hope this you know, can mm. kind of become a, a staple. My thinking is I'll, I'll be interested to see how it, it all plays out. And, and the fact that you've got to win each quarter to get a point, and, and we're not talking about chump change. It's not you know a couple grand or something mm. to an NBL club. It, we're talking serious cash for the winner, $300,000. So uh, a lot of teams could use that, especially with the limited revenue on some of these teams of being able to play home games. Yeah, it's a great point. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see. We'll talk about it in more detail next week, but it's been another fun show, Sean. Thanks for joining me, and thanks to Hoops Heaven for making it possible once again, and thanks to Boomerang for bringing us the Demo Award with Damian Martin. And, of course, thanks to TabTouch for providing our preview for another week. I'll wrap it up. I'm Chris Pike and, and leave you with the wise words of the scoring machine. Thanks, Pikey. Been another great show. I've enjoyed this. I'm looking forward to the next few weeks of NBL basketball. And I think the next few weeks as well, the fact that these games go towards the overall record kind of give us a little sense of where team are going to finish on the ladder. So, to me, the biggest thing is going to be able to keep these guys healthy and making sure that the teams I think that are the have the deepest bench are going to be more successful in this NBL Cup so we'll see how it plays out 
but there are some teams already with some injury concerns. So it's going to be, uh, I think those teams that have that little bit deeper bench that can go a little bit further, give some minutes to their stars to break up, we're going to be the ones to be successful. So it's going to be a, a fun time and I hope everyone enjoys a lot of basketball coming up. 